Welcome to the Jazz Podcast. In conversation with musicians from the UK jazz scene and beyond. And now your hosts, Rob Cope and Tara Vinton. Andy Schofield, Suzanne Higgins, welcome to the Jazz Podcast. How are you both doing? Okay, Good. very nice, thanks. Yeah, yeah. nice to be here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, a face-to-face podcast is one mm-hmm. always to be savoured, so thank you so much. And you guys live in Prague, so this is, a, this is a treat for me as well, getting to see you both in the flesh. So tell us a bit, Andy, why don't you go first, tell our lovely listeners who you are. Uh, okay, I'm a saxophone player and um, I guess woodwind player um, and also a sort of big band leader these days as well. Uh, I run a band called Jazz Doc Orchestra in uh, in Prague along with a couple of other people, along with a bunch of people actually. Um, and I used to live in Manchester for many years. Uh, I'm from the north northwest of England so I used to, I think 16 years in Manchester Beautiful. You've got the unmistakable northern. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know that yeah. beautiful. It, it doesn't go away. <laughs> no right. amount of living in yeah. Prague. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to make myself understood, but uh, <laughs> those vowel sounds keep uh, mm. yeah, keep coming back. That's brilliant. Suzanne, tell us tell us about you. Um, similar story. I was in Manchester for many years and then I retrained. I was mostly teaching instrumentally and doing gigs. Then I retrained as a primary teacher quite late on, late 20s, and discovered that this enabled a, 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 path, a, you know, a path to move abroad and teach internationally. So we moved to Berlin together mm-hmm. and I started at the Berlin British school and then had four years there and then moved over to Prague which has been a really great mm. move I'm, I'm now actually at the second school there which is the Prague International School so I've got a very very lovely existence of, of teaching at a great school and also being able to do gigs by choice rather than by financial you know having to pay the bills so uh, I'm, I'm feeling very lucky about that it's funny that the uh, the accent thing because the, the Czech people can't really say the vowel sound, oh. And when we're saying, you know, that sound, I can't get them to, they yeah, can only yeah. they can only say, ooh. And I'm trying to train them to have the proper Manchester, oh, sound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's, it's fascinating to me because you don't notice these things in other cultures until you're amongst it, you know. And, and I also wonder how there must be a lot of impact regionally on how people play their instrument like we all play the saxophone and it's so like it's so much like a voice with how you use your throat and your tongue Mm. you know i know this is quite a broad question but do you think there's anything in that is that can that be true do people sound different depending on where they're from I don't know. That's an interesting question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I don't know, and I feel like like if you if there's certain vowels that we have that someone else doesn't, that's probably going to affect your playing in some very small way. That so, is yeah. never and occurred to me. I think it's like a PhD great. paper right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah I should do that. Lot, yeah. I mean, a lot of language as well is how you use your tongue, isn't it? In yeah. terms mm. of of you know behind your teeth or yeah. middle mm. or whatever it is, you know. So. So that's going to, yeah, that's got to be habit forming, isn't it? Yeah. In, in, in your mm. early life. 
Yeah, that's an interesting topic. Yeah, no, it gives me a lot of trouble, especially on my on my tenor sax, the 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 like tongue position, high notes. It's startling to me at my ripe age of thirty five how how hit and miss it is. So I do spend quite a lot of time sort of looking in the mirror, being like, what is what is going on, you know? But anyway, that's interesting. It's something I've always found. With teaching, you know, it's quite hard to to explain to people what's mm. going on there because with a uh, a wind instrument, everything's internal, isn't it? You can't see what they're doing, or, or they can't mm, see what you're right. doing so much. It's mm. like you're, you're just trying to do do your best to give them an idea, aren't you? But it's yeah, it's all a bit. Uh, I think it's all kind of up to you to. It's like trial and error, isn't it? Really? Yeah. So much of my teaching is trial and error, and so much of my practice is trial and error. And so much of the yeah, student's yeah. success is like, well, that sounds right. Yeah, so it's, it's it. probably <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that's always been my approach. Is like, if it works, then it, it's okay. You know. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So, how did you decide moving from Berlin to Prague? Was that was that strictly like a the job opportunity that took you to begin with, or had you had your eyes on living somewhere no, else? No, not really. It became yeah, it became a, a work. The school that I was working at, I needed to have a change and. We probably would have stayed in Berlin. Yeah, we liked There was Berlin no positions lot, yeah. that were available that I could take in terms of teaching. And then a friend who had moved from Berlin to Prague had spotted an opportunity for a music teacher job at the Prague British School. And she said, hey, you know, you're looking for change. What about moving to Prague? And we really hadn't thought about it, had yeah, we? It was a, a um, bit of a... Quite a big... Uh, quite a big yeah, just shot in the dark, really, wasn't it, I guess? yeah. You know? Yeah, but it was definitely right. I mean, we, we really love Berlin. It's a really cool city, mm. very vibrant jazz scene there. But it, I think partly because it is so big and vast that everyone's very spread out. Mm. And it was it was kind of hard to get in on the scene there quite. Yeah, it's a funny. Some great musicians that we met yeah, there, yeah. but not so many gigs, actually. No, that's right. Not, <laughs> not, not so many quite, venues, quite really. Where London's a lot like that, in my opinion, at the moment, yeah. where the cost yeah. of living is spiralled out of control. So mm-hmm. the cost for venues to survive is spiralling yeah. and yeah. just heating a pub now. And like, yeah. you know, it's, there's there's yeah. so many musicians, such a big city and such a wonderful city. But grassroots music is very hard because yeah. there's no funding, there's no support. Yeah, there's a lot, right. you know, exactly the same problem as you described, yeah. whereas... For me, moving back here to a smaller city, but that has a lot of concert halls, orchestras, very like aware of its own culture. The same can be said for Liverpool as well. Mm. That it's also not so big that you can actually all, meet. Mm. you know, there's, it's strange. There's certain things in a smaller city that are a lot easier. Mm. Mm, definitely. definitely. Yeah. I mean, the thing we in Prague is there are a lot of musicians actually. Aren't there? There's you yeah. know, there's there's a lot yeah. of people. Uh, but there are also a lot of venues, you know, there are probably five, five or six, five or six clubs, clubs right. that have, at least five that have uh, music every night, you know, you know yeah. which is pretty good for a small, it's not a huge, a huge city at all. Yeah. Certainly geographically. Right. It's very easy to get around. And you know, yeah. Were you nervous about moving, leaving a bigger place? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Just yeah. not particularly because of the size check, mate, just, you know, normal reasons of, mm. oh, we, we made a lot of good friends in Berlin and just that the whole thing of starting again yeah. and how would yeah. it be? But um, I think once you made the first move, though, because we went from Manchester yeah. to Berlin in 2009. Yeah. So I think once you've done it once, it becomes just, well, 
you know, we, we know we can do it, you know. What was it like the first time then? <laughs> it was crazy. We packed everything we, 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 we could put, into your car yeah, and drove from Manchester right, yeah. to Berlin. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what inspired you to change? Because you'd both had hugely established careers by this point there. Because I met you in 2006 mm. or seven. Um, you'd Andy, you'd played on the first Sax Assault album, and mm. you the the right, yeah. bang yeah, that was right. in the right. in my school in the library. I used to listen right. to that obsessively. Wow. Yeah, I love that album. It was it was like one of my formative CDs because probably Bang came out in the mid nineties. I probably heard it when I was like ten or eleven. Yeah, that's right. It would have been. Yeah, and, and as a kid, yeah, you like I can never I can remember this. You know, when you imagine. A ten-year-old, like with a sax and a book, and you're just learning your tunes, and suddenly you find an album that had like it had like eighteen. It was massive, wasn't it? The band, eighteen sax players, all huge names in their own right. And I think Nikki Isles is on that. That's right. Wow, this is she? Yeah, yeah, we were chatting about her just before we started recording. Um, and uh, yeah, hearing that as a kid, I was like, "Whoa, okay, <laughs> this sounds all right. I'll take this then." So, so from all that. How did you decide to move? And was it, was it, were you like excited? Did it seem like, because I like, when I moved back from London to here, there was a big part of me that was like, I don't know, this might be a great move. It might be mm. like the end of my career, mm. you know? Mm. I think, I mean, I think in all honesty, it, it had, the scene had changed quite a bit in Manchester, hadn't it? And uh, in, in the early 90s, I was part of, a band called Creative Jazz Orchestra as well, which we did a lot of great projects with and a lot of, a lot of great things. And and a lot of um, the people, I guess, of my generation particularly, had gone to London then around that time, mm, didn't they? around the mid-90s. Mm. And um, I felt, I think we felt like by about 2005 or six, we were mostly doing a couple of, nice projects a year, you know, maybe at the Jazz Festival, Manchester Jazz mm-hmm. Festival is a great, great, great mm-hmm. uh, you know, festival. And I did a big commission for them, didn't I, at mm-hmm. one point. And, and um, you know, so there'd always be something in the year that was nice, but it kind of wasn't enough at that time, was it? It was, mm-hmm. you know, there were a lot of gaps, really. I think you moved, I might be completely wrong about this, but I think you moved whilst Band on the Wall was being shut to be refurbished. That's right, yeah. Which obviously yeah. was, yeah. when I look back now, seems like quite a big loss. Yeah. It that venue. Yeah. And it was yeah. shut for a long time. It was shut for a long yeah, time. Yeah, I don't remember when it closed. I think it was down, about 10 years. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Why yeah. that long? It was I think so. so. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was somewhere. It was somewhere I, I used to play yeah. all the time yeah. in the '90s. You know, yeah, it really, really was there. I've heard month. stories about the like early '90s that everyone would have gigs and then go there and hang out and play. Yeah. And that's the kind of culture that we don't. Maybe, maybe I'm too old to know about it, but I don't think that's quite the same anymore. Mm. You know, being able to essentially have a venue that can afford to just be open for people to go and hang out yeah. and play without having like big bills and yeah. you know you know i mean like you know acts and getting mm. people in yeah, and yeah, just yeah. like mm. yeah. yeah i think this is what we found in prague at, at this club jazz dock right and we'd never found it in berlin and mm. we, we kind of lost it a little bit like you say because of yeah, band yeah. on the wall not being around but at jazz dock it really is like the cheers bar for musicians of, of, <laughs> wow of, of sounds amazing europe i don't know we we all go there we play there they treat the musicians really well yeah. 
and we couldn't all go to any concert and just walk in and, and, and get a seat and watch, watch any gig and, and people come there after the gigs and hang out yeah, exactly. and this is this this is the difference I think that we found hugely between Prague and Berlin and even Manchester to an extent that it has this hub this community so if you finished a gig somewhere else and they stay open till like three or four in the morning that helps um, you can come along have a drink have a you know have a chat with some other musicians there and the, the guy that runs it, Vladimir Lederer, has had that in mind always. He 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 loved Ronnie Scott's back in the day when it right. was like that as well. Yeah. And his whole purpose for opening the club was to have that kind of hub for musicians where everyone used to go and just hang out, apart from doing gigs there. So I think he, yeah, he it's really like wanted a, that, didn't he? It's like a home for musicians, really. For sure, you know, it, yeah. It really is like that. And it, mm. it's interesting you mentioned Band on the Wall, because that was a... A place where I remember, you know, I, I could just walk in, you yeah. know, and I used to know yeah, Horace, who's yeah. on the door, and these, yeah. you know, and uh, and and they just say, "Ah, oh, you just come in," you know. It's yeah. right. and that's yeah, what we yeah. found now in Jazz Dock in Prague, isn't it? It's got that same thing that you can just show up, and and, and everybody knows you. You know, it's yeah. like family, even Which the bar is, yeah, staff. Yeah, we're we're really friends is, with all yeah. the people who work behind yeah, the bar and yeah, take the yeah, coats. Yeah. It's love. It's such a lovely feeling, isn't it? And that. Yeah, it's such an important thing in creating a, a scene, isn't it? Like a vibrant sort of yeah. scene in any kind of music, really. You know. Yeah, I have loads of thoughts about this. With London, the cost of everything has pushed all the musicians out of yeah. central London yeah, yeah, into the yeah. into much further in the suburbs. Like we were saying about the water mill. I used mm. to live in Dorking. That was about as close to London as I could afford to be. Mm. So then the club, like Ronnie's Scots, for example... It's harder for them to cater to musicians who can just pop in if you're like more worried about like the last train, yeah, you know, exactly, like you yeah, can't jump. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's just that the yeah, clubs, sure. it's not that they're like failing musicians because they're not. It's like yeah. the whole culture yeah. of expense and yeah. people moving further out and then you can't just jump. Because there was a point when I was a student where if you showed up with your tenor on the back, they'd basically let yeah, you in for sure, the late yeah, show yeah. without any... You wouldn't pay the door cover even. If yeah, it looked like you might play in the jam, they'd just yeah. let you in, which was great. There's more getting there that was the problem. Yeah. So let's talk about the jazz dock. So it's a club. Yeah. yeah. And you have a, a jazz orchestra with the same name. It's called Jazz Dock Orchestra. Right. And that, so that, how did you conceive of it? When did this start? Uh, we started in 2018, I think, wasn't it? January. Yeah. yeah we started yeah. right at the beginning of the year. Uh, and it was really came from a conversation where I'd started a big band um, uh, uh, our friend Jan Jurica who's uh, a trombonist who's known as JJ because he's Jan, Jan Jurica and plays a trombone that's uh, fantastic um, he, he's a sort of, sort of co-director of it with me and we and a, and a few other people and we were talking about how difficult it is doing everything yourself to 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 write big band music to be to be the promoter the you know the the marketing person the the director I play lead alto in the band you know it's like you you there, there's too many jobs there and um, our other friend as well Peter Kalfus who's the band manager he 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 went to Jazz Doc. Uh, to, to talk about the possibility of some kind of regular thing. And they loved the idea. It was just what they were looking for and what they they wanted was a sort of contemporary big band that, that plays original music. And we also play some repertory music as well, like Duke Ellington music and things like that. We've done quite a bit of. Um, 
and it works i think because everybody does their job you know everybody does a job so so me and jj tend to write write the music do you always play lead and he always like conducts no he plays lead trombone we don't right. have a conductor regularly, okay so it, it tends to be me really i i count stuff in and yeah and conduct, unless we're doing what, what you know someone else's project or yeah if, if it's his project and he'll do that but but it's easier having me because I'm at the front, so so it's I guess you'd have for me to with one less job as well. Yeah, you know yeah. you can't like. I mean, do you have funding for this? Yeah, so the club basically sort of guarantees our wages. They get funding from the city, I think. And, right. Um, yeah, so they do that part. They do the marketing and the and that side, and then Peter Kalfas, who also plays in the band, is like the band manager, so he books the players and all that, so it works nicely as a collective thing, you know, where everybody does the job, and so you can worry about your your yeah. area of it and do it well, you know, I think yeah. that's very nice. They actually. also let us rehearse at the club, yeah. so our gigs are the kind of every third Monday in the month, and yeah. on the Saturday and the Sunday during the day, they let us rehearse there as a band, which is really that's, important, you know, yeah. just finding that yeah. space where it's possible and we don't have to pay for that. Absolutely. They include that in the mm. deal of, of, of the yeah. residences. Yeah. Yeah. Unless I can't fit it in this room, I've started doing everything here because it's just like, it makes things <laughs> yeah. viable that you yeah. otherwise just wouldn't play. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. it's just like, the, yeah, rehearsal space. Yeah. You know, I used to rehearse at this place called the Premises in Wilsdon, yeah, and it's like yeah, yeah it's like forty four pounds an hour. It's lovely, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, if you need like a whole day to rehearse, yes. you're like it's like paying a yeah, yeah it's a lot of money. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so every third Monday, well, the third Monday in the month, the third Monday mm. in the month. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you decide, like? like from project to project are you curating it as a group and and like thinking about what the gigs will be next or who's coming in to guest how do you plan yeah i tend to to deal with most of the the actual music so but but we'll talk about it together and someone might have an idea and say well how about this for a project so um, it sometimes works that way or I'll come up with ideas or write some new music or sometimes it's just that we, we, we've written some new music, you know? Yeah. But the, then the club likes us having themes and, and that, mm. that sort of thing. So, and, and also they tend to come up with guests. The to, club does. Yeah. To say yeah. such and such is in, in the country. They, 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 maybe they've contacted them or yeah. their management and said, is there a big band we could play with? Like we had Kurt Elling, didn't we? Mm. Uh, Oh wow! Oh, that must yeah, have been that so great, much fun. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Uh, ben Wendell played with us, didn't he? Yeah. Ben Wendell and um... Ben was on our show last year. Just oh, in yeah. case our listeners, yeah. there's, yeah, there's, I'm trying to see how many guests you've had yeah, yeah. who yeah, I've yeah. managed to lynch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we had Richard Bonner was a big year. one. Oh wow! We did a lot tour with him. Three gigs, yeah. That's amazing. Which was fantastic. It's surprising to me how many artists that that I assume are like super. I don't know what the right word is, but quite often at the end of shows, people will say to me, do you mind me asking like, which venue should I be looking at playing at or where should I play? But you know, when I think there's like, there's probably people for this, but it, it, it like, I find it very like comforting how much of our industry still works on like word of mouth and people just chatting about it, you know, and that there's, there's, there's a lot, like there's, I suspect like there's a lot of guests that you could have just by asking. I guess this is really like something I want to 
convey to younger listeners of like you know if there's like lessons that you want with certain musicians like if you ask them they'll probably say yes mm, mm. yeah mm. yeah have you had anyone be like no that's a terrible idea no i don't think so i think, no. so. I think maybe we we might have, <laughs> we might have <laughs> <laughs> we've had some who who was suggested and were too expensive actually that, right that's, that's yeah. sometimes uh I mean, Shoot. way too expensive. Like thousands, <laughs> yeah, thousands, yeah, like, thousands too expensive. Well, uh, I won't name any. No, <laughs> at least if that's up front, you know, yeah, I've heard yeah, some horror yeah. stories of guests being in the country and then the night before the gig, you know, the management calls and it's like, oh, it's going to be an extra seven grand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stuff yeah, like that would make it? me very nervous. Yeah. No, the people we've had have all been lovely, haven't they? We, yeah. Um, we just had, we were talking about Nikki uh, Isles. We just had oh, Nikki yeah, last so how week. Did, so, so yeah. Nikki came over. Yeah, with her music. Yeah. yeah, before it is that something that you two had suggested, like to the to the others, like mm. that was yeah. quite early in the thing. I, right. I suggested that we get Nikki. I think when she'd started doing her big band because I play in her big band. Yeah, and, and so I'd heard the music and I thought Nikki anyway as a as a good guess, but because we'd been friends for like thirty five years, so we yeah. So yeah, I suggested it, and we actually fixed it up. It was all set to go. Uh, she was kind of virtually on the plane, wasn't mm-hmm. she? In, and it was March 2020. Oh no! So, so uh, she was arriving on the Friday, and on the Tuesday, everything got closed. All the flights got cancelled. Right. Everything got grounded with COVID. So yeah. So then it was just about finding the uh, a time and slot to do it again. So we we just got there. Brilliant. <laughs> last weekend, basically, yeah. We were excited to kind of unveil her to the rest of the band to be like, yeah, look yeah. what's going on over yeah. in England. Very much, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, it's yeah. great music, isn't it? And great to play, great to listen to, you yeah. know. And I think it was nice for the band to have that different side of, you know, we've had different guests and she, she's, I guess, pretty not that well known in the Czech Republic, certainly. Yeah. So I think uh, well, I'd say in general, in, the yeah. British UK scene is not that well known. Yeah, in in, yeah. Yeah, in, in the Czech Republic, but but certain people they know Kenny Wheeler and and, and people like that and that sort of scene and mm-hmm. and a few other other bigger names, obviously. But but uh, yeah, the, do you know, think that's the, just because of the distance? You know that they that they're not so aware of because uh, I mean I'm not particularly aware of the Czech scene. Why should they no, be massively no, exactly. aware of ours? Yeah, mm. yeah. and it, it's playing there, isn't it? I mean, they, people don't come and play there. I think that's the right. A, a lot of it. Uh, we had Alex Garnett played at Jazz Talk, didn't he? A couple of years ago, sure, or something yeah. like that. But yeah. you don't get too many people from the London scene. So everyone's quite in my small view of the world very keen on going to Holland at the moment. It mm. seems yeah. like the trendy place to right. go on tour, yeah. get a few Dutch gigs and come back again. Yeah, okay. I don't know what it, you know, it's yeah. like fashion, isn't yeah. it? These things, yeah. different places yeah. at different times. Yeah. 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 I've no yeah. idea why. I think it's called Bim House, the venue. Yeah. 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 Everyone wants to play yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's pretty yeah. happening. Yeah. Yeah. I think as well, Jazz Doc's a relatively new venue when you look at all the historical jazz clubs around the world. It's been going for only 12, 13 12, years. 13 years. And, and a couple of years it was out because of the floods. It actually got flooded. Right. So when we first moved there... It was about yeah, a few months, I think. It, it was a few floods, months yeah. and it didn't really 
So it's a relatively new club, but I think it's starting to get on the map a bit now. You know, we're, there, there are some bigger names who play there, like there's Joe Lovano yeah. there, Bill Frizzell. There's, yeah, yeah, it's starting, have a lot of, yeah. It's starting to become a little bit more on the map, I think, these days. Oh, yeah, a lot of international names now, actually, yeah, very much. Yeah. Ben Randall always likes to come because his wife's Czech. Oh, so it's a local gig for him. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was interesting when he was on the show talking about like he lived in Paris for a while. Mm. And just, mm. it's just such a fascination to me and to I think a lot of Brits uh, that the idea of living somewhere else is kind of magical because actually not not a great percentage of our population or musicians I know actually like go through with it. Or like the people I know who've moved abroad typically go to the United States. Mm. You know, there's not loads of people yeah. who've gone into Europe, I don't think, and, and stayed. No. And yet it's a great idea. Yeah. You know, mm. do you have any advice for people who are thinking about it now, wanting to wanting to just get out and start a new challenge? Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, it's made more difficult these days, obviously, because of the, the B word. Yeah, yeah. which was I mean, seven we, years ago yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, it was just the anniversary yeah, today, today, wasn't it? Yeah. But it's, it's. Yeah. I mean, we were really lucky that we we kind of got out well, before, before that and, and, and we're there long enough to get permanent residency, which enabled us to stay, really, after yeah. all of that. I think it's really hard now for people to just up and yeah. leave. I mean, we were lucky because I had a proper job as my parents no, that's would right. probably have that's called what... it but, but you know I had a secure job so it made it yeah, a little easier I but I wouldn't envy anyone just kind of I don't know packing up and not having anything in yeah. place and, and doing yeah. that like, I mean oh, it's possible it? no, that's the thing I was going to say was it's if you have a, a, a secure job to go to it's, it's a lot easier Hmm. I mean, everything is easier, isn't it? Just renting yeah. an apartment, everything else. But having said that, I remember when we moved to Berlin. You probably you know Finn Panther. Yeah. Uh, him and Brian. and Brian yeah. moved at the same time, didn't they? For, although yeah. we didn't know each other because he was also from Manchester, and they moved at the same time as us to Berlin. Yeah. From Manchester, and they had nothing. They had no work or anything. They just got in the car and went, didn't they? It was such a like bold. Yeah, do, yeah, you know. I really admired that. And they're still there. You know, they are, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that takes a special kind of confidence. Yeah, doesn't absolutely. it? Yeah. To just show up yeah. without any work and figure it out. Definitely, I'm not sure I'd be brave enough. No, no I mean, I when I moved here, I was still commuting to London three days a week. Mm. Like, need the money, yeah. you know, and like slowly transition in a way that every time I got a bit of work here, I'd give up a bit there. And yeah. slowly, yeah, you know, slowly, yeah, yeah slowly. And that, that was a very safe, sensible way to go. Yeah. But it's only possible in certain situations. And yeah. moving abroad, it probably isn't quite so practical to keep mm. all your work. We were ever mm. keep it, tempted to keep any work here when you moved, or we quite excited. I guess it's different if you had a job, I suppose. Yeah, not for me. You, you can't you, really. I, you did a little I bit. I did it. I tried it for back. a bit, but, but ultimately, I ended up being more. I was thinking my focus is more in the UK, so right. You need to be, you need to kind of embrace it and be be involved. I think mm. in the local scene, you know, that's yeah. the only way to yeah to, to do it. I mean, now I've I've got it's kind of come full circle for me. I'm actually coming back to the UK a, a bit in the last couple of years. I seem mm. to be coming back two or three times a year now to do some gigs, which is really nice. Yeah, mm. but yeah, you have to go through the. <laughs> the uh, the process I think yeah I mean what it, it, 
um, you know, one of the hard things as a, as a musician is is when you're moving somewhere new. Is nobody knows who you are, and yeah, and you have to be patient. It takes a lot of, mm. you know, you have to kind of hang on to your, I guess, self belief in a way, isn't it? Because mm. it really does feel like nobody's interested for a long time, you know, right? You, you know, because you have to show up to things, don't you? You mm. have to make friends and, and you have to you have to prove yourself all over again you yeah know, you know it's it's quite hard that i think but uh also rewarding because when you do it it feels like you've you know you have well i was going to say you've done that three times you yeah know, you've done it once yeah. in manchester then again in berlin then a yeah. third time in prague that takes a lot of confidence and um patience you know because that third time, it must have been really tempting to just go around like handing out albums, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> be like, give yeah. me some work now, people, you know. Yeah, that, well, it was hard to do it the third time in, the, the, in Prague. That was really hard. I was struggling for a little while with that, mm-hmm. definitely. But you have to go to jam sessions. That's the thing. That's yeah. one thing which... Do you have I, to play at them or do you just need to hang out? You have to play. I think, I mean, at, and at my sort of age, you, you feel like you've left that behind, you know, yeah. having to go. go. I mean, I, I still like going to jam sessions and, and it, you know... I'd go for a drink. I'd much rather yeah, just yeah, chat yeah. than play. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Well, but, there's a bit of that as well, of course. Yeah, it is definitely the, the, the hanging out is the thing. Mm. I know what you mean. So, I feel like that's the domain of, like, students to be all, like, finding their place. and But it shouldn't yeah, be. Yeah. Like, it no, should be a really no. wonderful experience. Yeah, and it can be, can't it? it yeah. It can yeah. be. Uh, but, but I do remember having that those kind of experiences where, I mean, no one really talks to you or anything <laughs> yeah because you, you have to prove it that's the thing yeah, yeah. nobody yeah. will will really give you much until you prove yourself and i that is important actually to do looking back on that experience it, it is important to keep doing that i think mm-hmm. you know not not to you know i guess it keeps your tools as a musician very sharp yeah as well if you're yeah, on a jam yeah. session you don't necessarily know you know i've done jams where you get up on the stage but there's no way they're letting you call a tune yeah it depends who else is up there you know some, mm. someone else will call a different tune in a different key and so you either like you either figure it out or you've mm. done the practice or you haven't but there's no yeah. i enjoy that there's no like degree for that there's no you know you can study it will help mm. but how you sound is the be all and end all pretty yeah, much yeah, isn't it yeah you know yeah which is great if you've i guess i like it because there's no there's no shortcuts to that yeah you yeah. know being good just takes your whole life yeah mm, and definitely yeah you can't sort of decide to be a jazz sax player and then two years later like have all all of it figured out <laughs> yeah equally i don't know why anyone in their right mind would have that thought like, <laughs> you know, yeah. I know I'll change career and play jazz. Yeah. It's a hard thing to get into, both with the learning and with the scene. Mm. Suzanne, you've taught a lot of different ages and stages in three different mm. cities. Do you notice any differences in how people are learning or thinking or you know in 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 when you've moved and how you've taught and how it's been I don't know I mean I teach young kids and I teach general music so that's what I've been doing in Berlin and in Prague and they're international schools so they're kind of similar really right I, I suppose you wouldn't I mean there's a different approach at the school I'm at now because 
they were very much more free with how I taught. I didn't kind of follow a curriculum so much as in the British system. Mm. Right. So it was a little bit more set out in the in the British schools, whereas at the International School of Programme now, it was very much, well, we trust you to you're a professional and, and you bring your ideas to it. So for the first time actually ever with, you've, yeah, you've created since I kind your, of created my own way of doing actually, it. Yeah. So that sounds wonderful. It's, you know, I mean it, it's basically I teach all the same skills that any elementary music teacher right. would, would teach, but I do it through genre rather than through rhythm or or, or whatever. I I do a jazz unit, a rock unit, and then teach the skills within that unit so they all listen to uh, the jazz unit's been Ellington yeah, yeah. for a while, so we've been doing some of the different yeah, suites. different suites. So suites and the, the school, this school in particular, has been so supportive that they paid for the Jazz Doc Orchestra to come in and play the music I've been teaching the kids live for the kids to listen to. So it was special. It was really special. Yeah, the kids got to study the Ellington suite and then they got to hear us play it at school mm. and they can listen to it live. So... That's been different. That's definitely been different, just that way of... But in the approach to learning, I, I think I, it, it's different with little kids. I think they were quite similar the way they... Mm. they, they That's so interesting, though, that you had the band in to play. Yeah. You know, it's such a wonderful thing to think yeah. of in education. You know, when I was sort of like talking about the that original Sax Assault CD, mm. that there's going to be a lot of kids who are going to be like inspired in a way that they can't even verbalize at this stage, Definitely. you know, looking back yeah. and thinking like that you've Definitely. taught them and showed and like, you know, they hear it on a CD, which is one thing, but then to see it live, yeah. to see instruments that don't need charging, they don't need like, right. outlets, you know, right. they just work and That's they work right. in a power cut. And, yeah. you know, I revel in that the more iPads take over, Absolutely you know, right. yeah. the power lines yeah, came too. down here <laughs> a few months ago. And um, so the whole of Sandbach has no power. Oh, and uh, yeah, and then again, I'm just teaching sax and piano. So every yeah, kid yeah. that comes in is like, oh, you, can you know, it's dark, mm. but you can play. You can still it's fine. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's brilliant. This little, like, lovely little six year old girl came in and they said, Edie, there's only one thing left in this house that still works. And she said, what's that? I said, the piano. And she was like, how can it work with that electric? Yeah. You know, ah, where's oh, the plug? Oh, it's like, this is great. It's really nice. I mean, that's oh, their brilliant. world now. Yeah. So for you yeah. to be able to combine so many things as well that you're involved in into one place. Yeah, it's wonderful. I think it's a real gift that we have as musicians mm. that we have, you know, what they call the portfolio career. We do a lot of different things. Mm. And actually, in my career the people i interact with usually see me only doing one small part of it but mm. if you've got kids who you've taught and then you've shown mm. you know that's that mm. just seems like the the absolute best way anyone could possibly yeah. teach music it's is to very, be like here's how it works it's very satisfying it and it's also the thing of introducing them to a whole range of music that they probably wouldn't mm. find themselves yeah mm. you know i mean i've had parents at, at conferences coming and saying, who is this Duke Ellington? My, my you know, my seven-year-old has come home saying, I, I need a playlist of Duke Ellington, you know. And I'm, so I'm, I mean, that makes me incredibly yeah. happy Yeah, to have had that impact. You and know? when you know you're the one that's yeah. sort of lit that yeah. potential spark. I won't spark. deny that's a yeah. <laughs> special feeling. Yeah, of course. And when it's like, it's like somebody sort of coming up to you being like, who is this King Charles? You know, yeah, yeah. it's not like you're recommending something like controversial yeah. or weird, is it? <laughs> exactly. When the parents Google Duke Ellington, surely they're going to be like, oh, yeah. you know, that's yeah. on them not knowing who he is yeah. more than it is yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, man. So tell us about how you decided to teach genres rather than Um, like when you're forming your own curriculum. I think it's just it can be so it can be so bitty the way music's taught. You know, it's like, right, we're going to do rhythm. Right. We're going to do melody or now we're going to do, you know, composing. Mm. It, 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 It feels sometimes quite disjointed the way that music is taught for that age group. Whereas I felt that you could pull it all together within a, a genre and it doesn't feel so bitty. So yeah, it's more sort of it, unified. It's more, I always think, I don't, I don't really want to teach rhythm away from melody or away from harmony or yeah, away yeah. from composition. But um, it's, it, it, it feels yeah, like by doing it in a genre, you can pull all those strings together and it's, it's, a, it's one whole thing rather than it being, right, this week we're doing about... You know, rhythm or whatever. Yeah, because yeah, that's, that's not it. how you think when you're playing. No, you it's it's a whole thing like that. It's like yeah. No, that's such a good yeah. point. Everything yeah. in my brain when I'm playing music is compartmentalized by genre and like historical precedent. Mm. So you know, before you breathe in, it's like how was this played at the time? Where does this music mm. belong? How do exactly. you play in a way that mm. serves yeah. this music appropriately? Which you can only gain from understanding that music's place that's right someone needs to be like this is from this yeah and if you separate all those elements you're right and that's what i was thinking when i was just saying to you andy about about the challenge of getting into jazz Mm. either musically or the scene is like trying to even understand the size of the genre and everything that fits in it and that's only one genre Mm. you know it's really Mm. it's really so much it can be quite an intimidating Mm. thing to even want to learn i think as a student sometimes yeah. but it just seems now you say it like it's the most obvious thing in the world of course yeah. <laughs> but i've done some of that classroom teaching in mm. in my career and i've done the the british you know i forget what they're called now but big mm. ring bound books you know yes, and yes. you read through it and it's all there's nothing wrong with it at all no, you know it, but no. it's never been split by by it's more like split into like little songs and rhythms and mm. things that are really nice and they'll teach you a sense of pulse mm-hmm. but they don't i've never i've never taught anything that had any history mm. at the same time yeah you know of like yeah. you know this rhythm this is like where it came from yeah, yeah it's really interesting yeah. so have you written all this down is there like a well i've got my own kind of version of it like a planning sort of document thing so it's kind of all within that but it's very much organic I think that's the what I like about it is that I I go I do it as I go along and depending on how a class responds like maybe one idea won't work so well so it'll be adapted for a different class or a different grade level that sounds amazing yeah it's kind of thrown kind of thrown thrown all in really I think the other thing with you as well is of course you're a player and you're a performer so they have that as well you know they hear you play yeah. And I think, and as you mentioned before, having the band in, into play, for me, those are some of the experiences that really lit the spark for me. You know, Definitely. you know, that hearing, yeah. hearing, yeah, I had a brilliant uh, music teacher at school called Peter Rose, who, who's a, a, a wonderful classical piano player, you know, and he used to play, play Chopin and things for us in the classroom. And it was just amazing, you know, that those things are, are priceless, you know. Yeah, and we already have. For example, you already have one student who mm. who said she's, Sonia. I'm yeah, give her a yeah, she started playing the saxophone. <laughs> great. She sings as well. She's a great singer. She's fun. And and she said it was when she heard the the big band yeah. that 
in school. That's why, when she wanted to play the saxophone. And she's really good as well. Yeah. You know, that yeah. there's someone who could go into music, you know, yeah. straight away. So. And she's she's heard a lot of more jazz, I think. I mean, her parents are yeah, into yeah. music, but she's become inspired by hearing some of the things that I've played them in class. And, you know, I'm, she's 11 years old and she's saying, oh, I like the Ella version of this song, but <laughs> I, I, I think the Sinatra one's maybe yeah. better. But then I really like, you know, and I'm just... You know, full of joy at that moment. Yeah, it's <laughs> she's, incredible. She's taken that on, and she's she's. Yeah. I'm not telling her to do this. This no. is what you should do. But she's she's taken the fuse, and and she yeah. she ran with it. It's, it's just it's incredible. That, that theme, just lighting the spot. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and, and music in person. You know, being live and being there really does that. I think it did it for me anyway. Yeah. yeah. I think about it quite a lot with like, I was thinking about it watching the, the Ashes the other day and Joe Root's batting and he's, he's such a beautiful player. But I was looking at him thinking it's amazing not only that you're this good, but that you had the opportunity to find out you were this good. Yeah. And then, of course, I thought, well, it's the same with music. Like there may be untold people out there who would have been like world class improvisers who haven't had the opportunity. Yeah. That's right. So I think, I mean, I don't even know. There's no question to that. There's just a case of trying to like reflecting on you showing people and playing to them and teaching it's it's without that effort from like everyone all the time then there's like there's nothing left you know if you just like if we all stopped teaching music for two years there'd just be dust yeah it'd be a disaster yeah yeah. you know i think that's really important about the opportunity thing yeah that's what the good teachers that i had gave me opportunities to to play yeah they, they just made that available sort of push you in, in that direction a little bit. If, if you want to do it, it's there. You know, they, they weren't, you know. Yeah. And that's the one thing we can do, I think, as much yeah. as we can, is make those opportunities for young players and young people. And, and, you know, at elementary school age, it's great to start, you know, whenever. Yeah. Really. Because the ones who really get it, you know, they're going to take, they're going to make the most of it, I think. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's a few kids I'm teaching at the moment who are like already better than me. And I'm like, <laughs> as soon as they get a few opportunities to play, I'm in deep trouble. <laughs> I'll just enjoy my time while it lasts. Because you know, it's also like nothing makes me happier than when they're that good and they're that excited that you're like, oh, it's just it's a couple more years, you know. But I really want them to be better than me as well, you know, which which is the best yeah. thing. You know, no, I wasn't. I didn't mean those people. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> so before we finish, tell us what's next for the Jazz Doc Orchestra, particularly for next. If if you, I don't know if there's seasons September onwards. We just, yeah, we just kind of keep rolling through the year. But right, um, okay. <laughs> well, we've got a CD coming out. Uh, in oh October, wow! I think so. We recorded it in January. Just like we recorded a couple of nights live in the club. So. So that's oh, the next, live CD. Yeah. Great. Yeah, exactly. So that's the next thing, really. Has um, it got a name? I'm not sure. At yet. Home, at no, I'm not sure. Home. I don't know what I the name remember. is in the end. So oh, no, that's I, fine. I that's say because it's fine. Yeah. I just put a really long bleep yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it was going to be tonight, maybe. Oh, tonight. Yeah. But I'm not sure if it's finalised yet because it's right. still in the sort of still production. Yeah. Oh, and it's stage, interesting so. to see these little windows in because quite often with music, you just like, you find out about the finished product. I quite mm. like this bit where you like, people could hear the the formation of mm. like, you know, the album's done. Is it named? Is it coming out? You know, what gigs are there? Will there be like a, a couple launch 
will you be able to yeah October yeah in October we just got an email yesterday saying it's definitely confirmed for the third Monday there's a nice tradition in the Czech Republic which is you baptise the CD so so you you do a gig and you play some of the music from the CD and then you have someone who's not in the band but associated with the project usually an older person isn't it Mm -hmm. and they come along and they literally kind of crack a bottle of Fizz and wow. pour it on oh, the yeah, CD. That's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> I was really hoping it would be an alcoholic. Yeah, it's well, everything always is in, in the Czech Republic. Oh, that's brilliant! Wow, yeah, how so, lovely. So, do you know who's going to baptize it? Yeah. No, we again, we're still. <laughs> oh, that's so great. It's a lovely honor to give somebody as well. Yeah, you know, to ask them. Yeah. whoever yeah, it may be. Exactly. Yeah. I think the English equivalent of that would be like a coffee ring. <laughs> on the cover yeah. you know, can, that'll be when I know I've made it yeah. someone's like going to someone else's house and there's a ruined copy of my album it's like yeah. Yeah. yeah Andy Suzanne thank you both so much for coming on the jazz podcast it's been a massive uh, pleasure for me to get to interview you both having known you for so long both of you seeing you be so successful and have this amazing orchestra and venue is an absolute delight and a testament to all the risk you've taken to get out in the world and see what's going on so thank you both thank you. Oh, thanks, thanks for having us